Gracious Father, we come uh, even as that father of old came to your son. And we come saying, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. We come asking for you to do for us what we know you can, but fear you won't. Pour out your spirit upon us. Assure us of your grace and your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Please be seated. I sat down, as I normally do on Fridays, to um, think about this sermon uh, in the midst of the day when we were supposed to have Florence arrive. Uh, and so we obviously have missed the fury of Florence, uh, and we come to give thanks for that this day and to pray for those who were not so spared. Uh, I don't know about you, but there has been um, many reports coming out of uh, Wilmington and areas about great devastation. Uh, our own bishop's house down there was uh, damaged, severely damaged in the storm. Others, of course, have lost life and limb. It has not been an easy time for many in southeastern Carolina and South Carolina. So we come, we come to give thanks and we come to pray this day. And we come uh, as I hope we come as those who have once again been humbled by the sheer force and power of nature. Humbled. One of the great gifts um, that this transplanted northerner has about being here in the mid-Atlantic and the southeast coast uh, of America is that we have an annual reminder of our humility before the forces of nature. Every year at this time of year, no matter how much we have uh, grown intellectually or technologically, no matter how much power we have amassed in our own wisdoms, we have an annual reminder that we are absolutely powerless before the greater powers of nature. Winds and seas and rains and floods, absolutely powerless. And if we are humbled by these things, how much more should be humbled by the one who created these things? And that's what dawned on me on Friday morning as I thought about this day, and I found myself reflecting uh, on the psalm of the day. And I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 29. This actually was set for the daily office today, but I have transposed it into our worship this day. I think it is an appropriate psalm to look at. 
Very simple, and we won't take long on it. It's a psalm of David, and I think it captures again what we are about today as we gather in worship, because he addresses a people who are gathered in worship uh, in the temple itself. And he begins with a command. I love it. Just look at the structure. He goes, ascribe to the Lord. Now, the Lord, as you see that, every time you see L-O-R-D in capital letters, you're looking at uh, Yahweh. It's the, the tetragrammaton that the Jews have for the revelation of their God, the one who created all things, who now has revealed himself covenantally with Abraham and his people. This is the one. He says, ascribe to the God of Israel, O heavenly beings. David does not address, first and foremost, the folks gathered around him in the temple. He doesn't even address uh, the rest of humanity gathered outside in the midst of the storms. What he addresses is the heavenly powers. The heavenly powers that are now pounding them in the temple because they are resident in the storms. Remember the heavenly beings that he talks about were the ones worshipped by his pagan neighbors. The ancients always knew the power of nature and they deified it. So they worshipped the sun and the moon. They worshipped the gods of power of the seas and of the lands. They deified these heavenly beings that truly were so much greater than they. And David has the audacity to address the beings that are worshipped by his pagan neighbors and says to you, O heavenly beings, even as you're doing your worst on us, ascribe to the God of Israel glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the God of Israel in the splendor of holiness. The task that David gives to the powers that threaten him is to say, you are to ascribe a greater power, a greater strength to the one who made you. Ascribe, both describe and declare that he is the one who is so much glorious, so much power, more powerful than anything we can see in the created order. Ascribe to the God of Israel glory and strength. That's where David begins. He addresses the powers that are pounding them in the temple. And then he moves on to speak to the people inside the temple. And he begins by speaking about the God who is speaking to them even through the storms. Listen to what he says. He says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. He says, that's what you're listening to. 
When you're listening to the storm, when you're listening to the wind and the rain coming down, when you're listening to the thunder, it's the voice of the Lord, the God of Israel, is over the water. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. Remember, water in the, in the biblical stories is the semblance of chaos. The chaos that was at the very beginning that the Creator Himself has risen up and given order to. He is so glorious, He can control the waters. He says He is over the waters. He thunders over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars even of Lebanon. (laughs) the greatest and glorious of the forests. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf, takes them up like toothpicks, and they throws them away. And Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flame as of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness, shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. David speaks about the one who speaks, the voice of the Lord. Because David knows that the God who has revealed himself in covenant to Abraham and his people is the God who has spoken creation into being. God said, let there be, and it became. He knows that. And we know this God is the God who also speaks redemption into being. The Word who created all things, this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God speaks creation into being. God speaks redemption into reality. And we behold His glory as we listen. That's what David is saying. He could have talked about the voice of the Lord speaking through the Torah, the law of God. He does that in other Psalms. But he is sticking with the created order. He's sticking with the heavenly powers resonant in the storms that are pounding the temple even as he speaks. And he's saying, here is the voice of the Lord. He is speaking to us even through this storm, even through these heavenly powers powers. And David knew that this one who speaks into his creation is worthy to be responded to. In fact, demands to be responded to. He says, the voice of the Lord makes the oaks to shake and strips the forest bare and all in his temple cry. glory. So there's the image of Israel gathered in worship inside the temple as it pounds on the, on the ceilings and the walls. And they're going, we are listening to the voice of the Creator Himself. We're listening to the one who is so much greater than the powers that be that come to us in and through these elements. And we go, this is glorious because He is glorious glory. 
And then having said that, David ends the psalm by making uh, a confessional statement and then a covenantal blessing. He says this, The Lord, the God of Israel, sits in thrones above the floods. <laughs> sits enthroned as king forever. That's the confessional statement of the people of Abraham. That their God, the one who created all things, is truly king and reigns over all that he has created, even the floods, even the waters, even the forces of chaos. And he does so forever. That's the conviction of Israel. And then he ends with a prayer, may the Lord give strength to his people who are being battered by these heavenly beings. May God give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Shalom. May the Lord God who created all things now create the environment where his will is done. We have his peace around us. The way that God desires things to be will be done. There is peace. And that's the prayer. It is a great psalm to reflect on in the midst of the storms of life. It really is. Uh, there are so many of these psalms in the Psalter. And I found myself, because we've been reading also through um, Casket Empty, this Old Testament survey thing, and I've been doing some reading on the, on the creational narrative, the very beginnings of the story. Uh, and it dawned on me that there are really two very key principles that the scriptures declare about God as creator. And we need to embrace both of those statements at one and the same time. The first is what David has been speaking about. That there is indeed a vast, what the philosopher call ontological divide between the creator and his creation. A vast gulf that separates the only one who is uncreated from everything else that we see and know, including the angelic and demonic, including the forces of nature, everything else. Vast ontological chasm. <laughs> That's what we speak about the transcendence of God that he is so far beyond, so far above, that there is this chasm that simply cannot be traversed from our side. Cannot be done. And we are to know that. The wisdom literature says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All it's saying is, get this fact that God is utterly transcendent. 
and you have a shot at living life well. <laughs> the utter transcendence of the one who is uncreated, the only one who is uncreated. That's the first and great principle David speaks about here. But the second is this. Even though there is this vast divide, this chasm between the Creator and His creation, the Creator Himself purposes to bridge that chasm. Always has. Always will. And He decides to bridge that chasm covenantally <laughs> to bind Himself to that which He has created to bind himself with the creature made in his image within his creation. And there's the image of new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. That's what the covenant is all about. That's what the whole story of redemption is all about. That the one who created all things, who is vastly transcendent, is also imminently connected to that which he has created graciously, lovingly connected to that which he has created, regardless of what it has done to him. And there is the wonder of grace, the wonder of redemption, the wonder of salvation. We are to know both of these things. Uh, we are to embrace both of these things. We are to confess both of these things and hold them together. One does not cancel the other. We are committed to this. We are to worship the one who made us. We are to recognize and speak out his glory. And then we are to invite the creation to join us in it. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. In the midst of the storm, that's what the people of God do. May God give us ears to hear and wills to obey. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.